The other day, as you all know, me and Sandy have been married for 43 years. <laughs> married 43 years. <clears throat> we had two children, we had two girls, and then we had a female dog, then we had a female bird. Everybody in my house was a female. Then my first granddaughter, guess what, was a female. But in praise to Adonai, our first grandson came, Isaiah. I mean Isaac, excuse me. And then it was Isaiah. And then it was Nathan. And then there was another girl. And then there was Owen. And now there's another one on the way, which we don't know what his name's going to be at this time. So that'll be five grand boys. Ain't that great? The other night, Thursday, me and Sandy, we had a change of schedule. That's uh, We went to a baseball. Guess what? I had Nathan on one team and Isaiah on the other team. And me and Sandy in the middle. And I got my daughter, Amanda, watching us from this side, and my other daughter, Julia, watching us from that side to see who. And finally, they were tied up 5-5. Me and Sandy are praying there, saying, Lord, leave it 5-5. It'll be perfect. It'll be perfect. 5-5, everybody's even. Nobody won, nobody lost. But Nathan gets up to bat, and boom, he hits a shot past the second baseman. He scores two runs. So now it's 7-5. Right, Nathan's team. The team holds him there. Next team, next time Isaiah's team comes up, the lo bases are loaded. Who comes up? Isaiah. Now you got to do this. You can't be too loud because you don't want him to play uh, Nathan. So you're like, uh, yeah, uh, do good, do good. Uh, he hits a shot down the first baseline. Two-run score. Game is tied. I'm saying, Lord, leave it there. Leave it there. The whole side knew that we had two grandsons because, we, of course, we had told them. And they're also praying with us. Leave it there. Leave it there, Lord. But no, someone comes in, gets a base hit, Isaiah's team won. But then we ran over to Nathan and we hugged him, gave him bubble gum, whatever he wanted. Where do you want to go eat? And so we tried to make up for it. But it was a joyous time for both Sandy and myself. It really is a privilege. It really is a a great blessing for us to have grandchildren like that. Uh, let me open with prayer. Um, you know, Yeshua said that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And we believe that here at Tikva. So let me open with prayer. Abba, we come before you this morning. We thank you for all that you do. The children that are gifts, the grandchildren that are even more gifts, the spouses and friendship. We thank you for that and let this house exemplify your love and your concern for your people in Yeshua's name. Amen. Growing up in the Bronx in the 50s and 60s included an explosion of children resulting from the end of World War II. The Yankees were on top of baseball. Jazz was at its peak. Doo-wop was making its way, and rock and roll was making a splash of its own. Elvis was rocking around the clock. <laughs> Drugs began to devastate neighborhoods. Families began to split up. 
Children isolated themselves in order to get high. The 60s was disguised as an opening of a new revelation, the love generation, which turned out to be the drug generation. Self became the disease of the heart. Look inward and you will find the answers, and there was none. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceptive above all else, mortally sick. The natural man's heart is diseased, as the leprosy is a disease of the body, so the natural heart is disease of the soul. Title of my talk this morning is Leprosy, a Disease of the Heart. The parasha this week, as Clarine had mentioned, is Metzorah, and it's Leviticus 14, 13, 14. and I will turn there, <clears throat> read two verses. The Lord said to Moses, these are the generations of diseased persons at the time of diseased person at the time of his ceremonial cleansing when he is brought to the priest. So 13 describes what kind of leprosy it was. Now Leviticus 14 determines how does someone become clean. I'd like to make three points this week. What kind of leprosy is listed in Leviticus 13 and 14 speaking of? What is Lashan Hara? And Yeshua is the great physician. What kind of leprosy is listed here? If you go to 13, you'll see it lists out what happened to people and the danger of it because they were set off to the side because of it. It was not an easy disease to, uh, to have. This chapter in Leviticus 14 is the law concerning someone who has been afflicted with leprosy but is now healed. Listed is the process the person must go through to be, be pronounced clean and be able to return to camp. Now, the leprosy that most of us are familiar with, whether we've seen it on TV or whether from books or documentaries or what have you, it's not the leprosy that is listed there. The leprosy that we are familiar with is called Henson's disease. It's a chronic communicable disease characterized by nodular skin lesions and the progressive destruction of tissue. The leprosy that is being spoken about in the Torah is quite different. It's the outward manifestation of this disease is very similar, but it's the cause of the disease that makes it different. The various symptoms described in Torah do not correspond to the symptoms of leprosy as we know it, or any other condition known to medical men, medicine. The condition of leprosy described in Leviticus 13 and 14 is a disease not only affects humans, but also clothing, and houses, which require special attention. Because of this uniqueness, the priests must get involved to proclaim it 
to proclaim it clean. Because of this uniqueness, the sages saw, as, saw it as a spiritual condition, that a punishment of sin. Now, that's, I'm not proclaiming that everyone who got sick is <laughs> the spiritual condition, okay? I'm just laying out what is the rabbis had taught in this particular subject. The visible outworking of an inner condition that causes ritual uncleanness. As Jeremiah 17, 9 said, the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all else. My second point is, what is Lashan Hara? A person with leprosy in Hebrew is called Mitzorah a person afflicted with leprosy. It is a shortening of the phrase motzira, one who brings forth or spreads evil speech, Lashan Hara, a slanderous person. The leprosy spoken about in Leviticus is a result of evil speech, which includes not only evil speech, but gossip, slander, divisive talk, and talk that causes dissension. It is one of the seven things God hates in Proverbs 6.19, where it states, a false witness who pours out lies and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers I hate. This is exactly what happened to Miriam and Aaron when they were opposing Moses, and we can bring up Numbers 12. Numbers 12, and we'll take a look at that. Numbers 12, 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Gentile. That's what they're concerned about. As a Lord spoken only through us, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? You know why she said that, or they said that? Aaron was the high priest. He was elevated to the priesthood, high priest. Miriam was a prophetess, and she was somebody special within the community of Israel. So they were questioning whether Moses was overstepping his boundaries. But instead of going and approaching Moses on an individual basis, they, they got together and charged him, not with what they was really bothering them, but because of the Cushite wife. Now Moses, no, and the Lord heard this. Interesting. As, and the Lord heard this. Where am I? Okay, I lost my step. Now Moses was very, and the Lord said, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else in the face of the earth. And at once the Lord says to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So that the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pitta, pillar of the cloud. Now, when you look in Exodus and you follow the pillar of the cloud coming down, 
It was the evidence of the presence of God, the Shekinah meeting with his people. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting, the, the, the Shekinah would come down and meet with him, and people would bow down and look from throughout the camp and see Moses and sometimes hear Moses speaking with God at that point. It was the presence of God with the people of the Israelites while they were in the desert. So at this time, he also came down and met with them. And it says, God stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. In other words, I'm going to tell you something. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not so of my, my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face. So, in other words, God is saying, if no Moses needed to be reproved, I'm the one who does the reproving. If you have a problem with Moses, then you need to go and sit down with Moses. Okay? And that's what exactly says in Matthew 18, which is what we teach in the new members class. Conflict resolution. You go to the individual. We see the principle here. But this is not true for my servant Moses. He is faithful in all his house. I speak with him face to face as a friend to a friend. Clearly and in no riddles. He sees the form of God. Remember that account where Moses says, show me your face, O Lord? And he said, no man can live if I show him my face, but I can pass by you and you will see me. I think that's what Why then are you afraid? to speak evil or to speak against my servant Moses. So here you have God reproving both Miriam and Aaron. The, the The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. He was angry. He walked away. And when the cloud lifted above the tent, there stood Miriam, leporous like snow, leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward her, toward toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And look what it says here. And he says to Moses, please my Lord. So he's elevated Moses in his own life. Before it was him and Miriam coming to Moses and say, Moses, we want to talk to you about the woman that you married. We don't think it's right. And not only that, hasn't God spoken through us also? Can't we determine what is right and wrong? But not now. Now he's come down a notch and said, Moses, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin. Now he included himself with Miriam. For we have the sin we so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with a flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, God, please heal her. 
It's his sister. Moses always cries to the Lord. Always, Moses always showed respect and honor to the Lord. Whenever things were difficult for Moses, he, he kneeled before the Lord. He humbled himself before the Lord because he knew from experience what God could do. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, that's an idiom which means that if he had discussed with her and he wanted her to realize that she did something wrong, he would spit in her face. Would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. So here we have Lashan Harak being committed by both Miriam and Aaron against Moses for marrying a Gentile. Well, in the Messianic community, a lot of Jews marry Gentiles. So we would be in the suit if that was the case. Right? Isn't that right? I got to... Sandy married a Gentile. <laughs> I see David married a Gentile. <laughs> so marrying a Gentile in itself is not the problem. There was a deeper meaning here. And I think it's stated when didn't God, hasn't God spoken through us also? They wanted to ev- elevate or be equal with Moses at this time. It's interesting that the Lord confines Miriam outside the camp for seven days, which is exactly what the requirement was for the person of Miss Zorah. That person was to be outside the camp, and the priest would go visit them outside the camp to see what was taken. And then they, the priest would determine what kind of leprosy it was. Was it the kind Hansen's disease that we're familiar with, or was it the kind created for a sin? He would determine that. But in the one that we are just talking about, the Mesorah, the Mesorah, excuse me, uh, is the one that the, the priest would recognize that the person has been healed and now has to go through a process of proclaiming that healing. And usually that process includes that they have to wash all their clothes, have their hair and shave their hair, including the eyebrows. That was part of the process of the, clean, the cleansing. Lashan Hurrah, folks, we've always proclaimed this in this synagogue since I've been here, is a no-no. You can ask Miriam right there in the book. Look at the, let's look at a sample in the New Testament. If we turn to 1 Peter 1.22, 1 Peter one twenty-two. It's a serious issue with God, and sometimes we really take it very lightly, and myself included, believe me. There have been many times the Lord has brought me to my knees in repentance for some saying, saying something evil about someone. Does this mean I'm an evil person? No, it just means I would let my mouth shoot off. Amen? <laughs> now that, verse 22, now that you have provi- uh, purified yourself, made yourself clean, 
by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So here we encourage once again to to cleanse ourselves. We all come to the Lord with a past. And sometimes we need to leave the past alone. You keep dragging it around, it's going to make you heavy. It's going to make you overweight because you have two persons. You have the new man and you have the old man. You carry the old man around with the new man, it gets heavy. God says you need to purify yourself. When we, come, when we become born again, we're spiritually, in God's can spiritually born again, spiritually born anew, born from above. Why is love, why is love, to love your brother, why is it so important like we talked about in Joanna's talk? Why is love so important? In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, it says, love is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not easily angry. Do not speaks, does not speak evil. See, it keeps no wrong records. That's why love is so important to believe with life. Excuse me, I gotta get some water here. It's hard work. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't realize it. It takes a long time to put a message together for 30 minutes. It takes a long time. Sometimes Sandy's saying, you want me to help you? No, nobody can help me at this point. <laughs> Only the Lord can help me. <laughs> this happened last night. You want me to type that for you? No, 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 no. I have to do it myself. No, you know. Go through this whole thing. <laughs> you see, the love that God poured out of us in the new birth is the love that Yeshua, when he embraced those that asked for healing, it's the same love that we manifest, that God wants us to manifest. He wants us to embrace those that their hearts are sick, their hearts, if they allow you to embrace them. You have to ask permission. It's like when a man came to Yeshua and said, you know, I want to be made whole. He said, do you will to be made whole? You have to have a willingness. You have to have a willingness to receive the things of the Lord. Since love love involves selfless giving, a self-centered person can't truly love. God's love and forgiveness frees you to take your eyes off yourself and meet the needs of others. Take your eyes off yourself. That's why I'm saying what happened with the me generation, which I'm a part of, I'm including that in the 60s, was look within yourself. Whatever gets you through the night, take it. Love the one you're with with some of the phrases that were going around at that time. It was always centered around the individual and the self. Today, folks, we're seeing the same attack on our young people. It's the same thing that's going on with the television and with music. The same thing is happening to our young people. So my encouragement is to those that are senior and mature believers here in our congregation, we need to keep our young people. We only have a few, but we need to keep them in prayer because the struggles that they go through are just as, just as bad as any struggle you ever had. 
They may not be physical, but it's a mental battle that goes on. And they're battling, and the battle is for their wholeness and their spirit and their spiritual life. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since you've been born again, since you got this life of purification, rid yourself of all malice. Here we go. And all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. There it is, following through from Old to the New Testament. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so that, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. All children want to grow up, and they emulate someone along the way that they think is special. When we are born again, we start our spiritual new, as newborn babes, desiring milk, as it says in here. But if we are healthy, we begin to yearn to grow and emulate the master. Once we see our need to mature, God's word becomes our nutrient, our spiritual appetite that increases, and we begin to emulate the master. Sure. Now to my third point. Yeshua, the great physician. If we turn to Matthew 8, and I'll try to speed it along a little bit. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he came down, Yeshua came down from the the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy, here it is, came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are what? If you are willing, you can make me clean. What, what that's telling me is the man understood the principle in Leviticus chapter 14 and 13. He had an inkling that the the disease that he had, the disease of leprosy, is the punishment of some type of sin that he has committed in his life, and he wanted rectified. And so that's why he said to the master, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Yeshua reached out his hand and touched the man, and he said, I am willing. That's the master. He said, be clean. And immediately, immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. And off he went to do his own thing. He was part of the 60s. Do your own thing, baby. No. But go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He brought him back to what the Torah says. Here we see Moses applying the Torah of Leviticus 13 and 14. And he's encouraging someone who has just been healed of this type of leprosy to go ahead and fulfill what the Torah had told him to do. Show himself clean before the priest and bring the gifts, which were two lambs, or three lambs, I think it was, Uh, that he had to bring to the peace for a gift and go through a process of cleanliness. 
Yeshua had the authority to say to the man, I am willing. Because Yeshua was the word in the flesh. He was the Torah in the flesh. God had given gave him the, the authority to say to somebody, I understand because I am the Torah in the flesh. And I make you clean. You are clean. He didn't need to go to the priest or bring the high priest in. He was the high priest of all time. Can you see yourself going through the process that's listed in Leviticus 14 for your cleanliness? Thank God Yeshua has saved us from the curse of the Lord. The principle is still the same. Do not speak evil of your brothers and sisters. But, for, but, but the forgiving process has changed. And I'd like to turn to 1 John, which we're all familiar with. 1 John, and uh, chapter 1. And we'll pick it up in verse 8. Now, if we claim to be without sin, and I'm not standing here claiming that I'm without sin, <laughs> because we're all sinners and we know that. But we can still guard our mouth. That's the, that's the point of this whole thing. We can still, we have the ability to guard our mouth of what we say. We have been given the equipment to do that. We deceive, if, we, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here it is again, to purify us from all unrighteousness. God is in the business of purification. Do we have a past? Yes, we do. All of us have a past. Do we come to God because we're so good? No, we come to God because we are messed up. Have we been treated, mistreated in life? We all have been mistreated in life. Do we all have service that we have to deal with? We all have service that we have to deal with. We, we all have families that sometimes they don't agree and understand why we were involved in TikTok, whether it be a Gentile or whether it be the time spent, and we have to contend with that. It's like the, uh, Rabbi Russ mentioned about suffering for a believer. All believers go through suffering, as he mentioned here two weeks ago. All of us have it. All of us go through it, and it's all part of the walk. But in the suffering, we have become stronger because Messiah Yeshua, it says, I am willing to make you stronger. I am willing to purify you. I am willing to make you the image that I see, not the image that you see. You see, the image that you see is from the deceptive old nature heart, old nature's heart. That's what you see. When you look in that mirror and you want to see who is this person that I am and you have all this baggage, that's the, that's the deceptive heart. That's who you're looking at. That person who done this, who done this, who done this, who done this, who done this. And that's what the enemy uses against you. He uses his own heart against you. 
When you look at the scriptures, as it says, and it says that you put on the mind of Messiah, and when you look in the mirror, you see the Messiah and the master. You do not see Robert. You do not see Robert with all his problems and all his sores and all his shortcomings and all his failures. You see the Messiah, and the Messiah reflects into us the image that he has put in our heart. That's why it's called purify yourselves. Allow him to cleanse you. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in our lives. My dear children, and God's always approaching us as his dear children, I write this to you. Even if you're out in left field, God still considers you one of his children. I was out in left field for eight years until I heard that still small voice and say, come back, come back. I got work for you to do. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And the point is not to, because we're forgiven, we can go on sinning. No, the point is to let the Messiah change you. But if anybody sins, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense. He's the high priest that goes to the highest of order. Messiah Yeshua, the righteous one, and he is the anointing sacrifice for sin, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. It's not only our sins, it's those that are all traveling out there. He has atoned and made atonement for them. This is the season for atonement. How do we reach the people that are out there, like Joanna was saying? We reach them by explaining what is the atoning process that Yeshua has done for their lives, not just for believers, for all the world. Yeshua cleanses our life, and he is the physician, that if you allow him and if you're willing, he will change you into his image. If you don't, if you won't, he will not force you to do anything. Let's turn and close in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8. He said, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, talking about Yeshua, talking about in the Tanakh. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, talking about God. Nor were you pleased with them. Also, the process of Leviticus 14. Although the law, the Torah, required them to be made. And then he said, here am I, Yeshua. He said, here am I, Hineni. Here am I, Hineni. Here am I, Hineni. I have come to do your will. I have come to change my life and represent your life. And he sets aside the first covenant to establish the second. And by that, we have all been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Yeshua, our Messiah, once and for all. That's what we celebrate on the Passover. Not only for the people that are in that room at the Seder, 
But for all those that walk around this Richmond area, that's our responsibility, the Richmond area. That's our territory that we claim for the Messiah Yeshua. So Yeshua died not only for the Jew at, 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 at Passover, not only for the Gentiles, for the unbelievers also. And that's what we proclaim to people as Joanna asked the question. We proclaim the deliverance, the purification of the Messiah Yeshua who loved us once and for all. And if you have not experienced the love of Messiah Yeshua, I'm telling you people, you need to open your hearts and say, teach me your love, Master. Teach me who you are. Teach me your love so that I may love others. Because I'm telling you, I'll turn 70 this year. And you can go through life. And if you don't make him your Messiah, Lord, and King, you'll reach 70 and 80, and you'll say what happened to the years. Amen? Shabbat shalom, Lord. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let me close. Lord, we're so thankful and grateful, and I just thank you for your mercy. It's not me, Lord. It's you. I thank you for helping me present this talk. I'm so grateful and thankful to stand before your people to give me encouragement that you are the king, the master of all the universe. In Yeshua's name, amen.